Today on Season 3, Episode 46 of the Unknown Packers Podcast, it's Victory Monday on Tuesday. The Packers kick off the 2020 season with a Week 1 win against the rival Minnesota Vikings. Bryce and Ken break down the game as only they can. The offense is hot, the defense is in Week 1 form, and the special teams is in stride. We give out game balls, talk play calls, and much, much more. Let's get loud from home, Lambo, as the Lions come into town. And now it's time for 1-0 on tap. so much for following the Unknown Packers podcast. Touchdown! Dagger! Al Harris, 56 yards to a game-winning touchdown! Green Bay Packers! Go Packers! Winning isn't everything, but it's the only thing. Green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow. Unknown Packers podcast. Green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow. Let me tell you this, Green Bay is a great town. And welcome to the Unknown Packers podcast for your post-game review 1-0 on tap. That's right, the Green Bay Packers win in fitting fashion, I think, 43-34 in a complete fourth-quarter style of football that plagued them last year. The score seemed a lot closer than it actually was. Packers dominated on both sides of the football. We mentioned this in in new season. No fans. This is what Rodgers said coming out. Aaron Rodgers on no fans. One of the strangest experiences I've had in the NFL. And it is wild because we've been talking about leading up to Packers-Vikings NFL season. Would it be here? And here we are. We're talking about a Packers win right off the bat. Matt LaFleur continues to be Mike Zimmer's daddy. 3-0 and against Mike Zimmer. And talking about another guy that I've been looking forward to week in and week out. My other brother from another mother, Ken Ingles. How are you doing after this Packers victory? Oh, Bryce, I'm doing great, baby. 1-0. Let's go. Go, Pack Go. I'm totally pumped. This is awesome. I, I thought the Packers were going to win. I didn't understand why the Vikings were favored. and <laughs> But I didn't expect this. But I'll take it. I'll take it, baby. Let's go. 40 points. Impressive. Like I said, four quarters of football, something that they really struggled to obtain last year. Uh, A little bit of, uh, I thought, some interesting news about the Green Bay Packers. They elected not to go out for the national anthem. They stayed in the locker room after the national anthem had concluded. They then met the Vikings on the football field. As head coach Matt LaFleur said on Thursday, quote, we've been in discussion throughout this whole time about what it is exactly we'd like to do and the message behind it. Ultimately, everybody's their own individual in terms of their views on whatever it is in the world. Ideally, I'd love to do something as a team, but that's not going to be something that's forced upon our players. In the end, the team elected to remain as one entity out of sight. The Green Bay Packers, Coach Lafleur, Brian Gutekunst laying down a foundation, a team that I can get behind, and we beat our arch nemesis, the Minnesota Vikings. And check this out, Ken. Got some interesting factoids about the Minnesota Vikings from a Minnesota Vikings perspective. The Vikings had 18 minutes and 44 seconds time of possession today. It's lowest in the regular in a regular game since the league started recording time of possession as a stat in 1977. The Vikings allowed Devontae Adams to set a career high in receptions with 14 
for 156 yards and two touchdowns. The Vikings were also gassed going into halftime after being on the field for 22 minutes and 45 seconds in the first two quarters and had no answer, no answer whatsoever for Aaron Rodgers. The Vikings pressured Rodgers on just seven of 44 dropbacks, including 18 straight without registering a pressure. And Aaron Rodgers, we, you know, he talked about seeing something in film back in the 2011 season and a decisive, creative, a rejuvenated Aaron Rodgers. He looked like an MVP form. I have not seen a week one performance like Aaron Rodgers or what Aaron Rodgers just showed. What were your feelings after we, I mean, it was masterful. I thought from start to finish, Aaron is a bad man. Bad man. Man, I think you nailed it when you said decisive. That's absolutely what I thought of. Like when I was watching the first, the first half worth of offense, at least definitely that first drive. Right. And I know, you know, there's scripted plays or whatever, but the ball was coming out quick. He was looking and seeing the middle of the field, decisive, hitting his checkdowns. It was early, early in the game. I know the stat sheet hadn't blown up quite yet. But he was just, he was on point. He was there. He was dialed in and focused. And it was it was great to see. I know there was a talk in the preseason about how he went back to this 2010 film and saw something and tweaked it. And, you know, whatever that is, I'm here for it. Let's bottle it up. Let's give it to him every week. And w- real quick, I, you mentioned the time of possession that the Vikings had, you know, the lowest time of possession ever since 19, what, 77, you said? Mm-hmm. But they still scored 34 points, man. They still yeah, scored 34 points in the lowest amount of time of a football team has had offense in the past, what, almost 50 years? That's, that's a little concerning. That's a little concerning for, sure. for the defense. For sure. And I think also, too, you give up three two-point conversions, you're playing prevent defense. Right. The one thought that crept into my mind about third-year head coach Mike Pettin, uh, this is really you know his year to prove to Coach LaFleur that he is the defensive coordinator of the Green Bay Packers now and right. forward. And going into prevent, I thought, why would you not just continue to just lay the hammer down on Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings? They're your arch rival. You're in the same division. Like, that's the thing that concerned me also I mean just the prevent defense the Vikings even though it was in a hurry up offense and time was of the essence a lot of big plays it seemed when the Vikings wanted to score they could score at will so that is the one big blemish and that's something that I'm going to keep an eye on throughout the season is can Petten learn from these you know mistakes and can he alter it because he's got the playmakers on defense to, I think, just lay down the hammer. But at the same time, you lose Kenny Clark. And as we're recording, we're recording on a Sunday. Uh, We wanted to give you all just a very organic, real, raw experience right after the Packers 43-34 victory. But it came at a cost. You, You lose Kenny Clark. Lucas Patrick was injured. Lane Taylor was injured. And that was like, I mean, there were no fans in the stadium, but I heard like, you know, when the play had happened and ended, I had heard some sort of, you know, wail or scream. And little did I know it was Lane Taylor. And I, I feel absolutely horrible for Taylor as a, as well as Patrick and Kenny Clark, Kenny Clark, just getting that contract. But man, Lane Taylor came back 
after a triceps injury, lost his job to Elton Jenkins, and then had an oper- had an, a fantastic training camp. And like I said, as we're recording, we don't know the news of Kenny Clark, Lucas Patrick, or Lane Taylor. But you did get to see John Runyon come in there. You got to see Rick Wagner at right tackle. And so you got to see the defense sort of handle it a little bit better. And maybe that's a big indication is that without Kenny Clark, Cousins had a little bit more time in the second half. But for me, I was going in thinking that the Packers were going to win. I was comfortable, probably the most comfortable going into a game. And right from the get-go, just being decisive. Coach Lafleur going for it on fourth down. And one of them should have been converted, with, but Devontae Adams, it went right through his hands. Mm-hmm. And, but then he was able to just bounce back. You had Mar- Marcos Veldes-Scantling were inconsistent again, but man, when he can get locked in, he's a game changer. That speed, it's really hard to contain him. But then again, those drop passes, those miscues are the big Achilles heel for him. So I wonder what it's going to be like for a full season. But if we can get consistent Marcos Velda scaling, oh boy. Um, and then with Alan Lazard in the run game too, I wasn't expecting that. Right. Well, here's the thing. If, you know, looking at MVS, so he was inconsistent at best, right, today with his drops and, you know, big play drops too. There's one over the middle on a third down where he was just uh, like, it was a quick slant and he was streaking across the middle. And if he had that, he had like, all day to run. That was going to be a huge gain. And then obviously there's that big 60 plus yarder on the left sideline that went that he just completely dropped to. But then the guy comes back for four catches, 96 yards and a touchdown. Like if that's inconsistent MVS, he'll be one of those players that as Packer fans, you're just going to be ripping your hair out. Yeah, it's maddening, right? <laughs> maddening watching this guy play, but then like he can just take the total top off the offense or sorry, off the defense, and just go. And like earlier, earlier in the game, there was, uh, you know, one of many of Rodgers, you know, in ability with the with the hard count and the cadence mm-hmm. had a free play. No, it wasn't even free play. I think it was holding, he saw. And he had a free play, and he just launched it down for MVS. And that was, that was like, what, at the five-yard line or something? And he was like double-teamed, didn't come down with it. But he's looking for him. He right. is, he's the guy who this offense is, it, it, he's the deep threat of this offense. He's the fast guy, he, he's the fastest guy in the field. And he, if he can get it together, if he can get his confidence, I've been, you know, we talked about it all off season. That's a guy I cannot wait to see how this season goes and develops because he has all the potential in the world to be a dynamic, explosive player opposite of Devante. And if those two can get rolling together, baby let's go and that offense too i mean they were rolling and the vikings defense gave up 522 yards in their worst outing since giving up 556 yards of offense to the los angeles rams in 2018 our offense accumulated 522 yards on top of that sunday's game marked the most points the vikings had given up in their 60-year history in a season opener the previous high was 42 to 13 home loss to San Diego in 1984. So not I mean just I was expecting a win but granted the defense let them back in but then when you needed the offense to have a methodical minute churning drive they were able to do that and 
it's impressive to think about like all the scoring drives that the Green Bay Packers had outside of a couple. They were all more than six, seven, eight play drives. And Rodgers, right. like, he had the, I mean, the ergonomics were there. Like he just was structured, planted, decisive, loose. I mean, I, I saw something, I think Andrew Brandt tweeted it out. And, you know, everyone is getting all, you know, up in a tizzy about Jordan Love being a first-round draft pick. Kyle Brandt of Good Morning What Football, who had Aaron Rodgers on a, a couple times, talked about like zero for zero, zero yards, zero touchdowns is what uh, the Packers got for their first-round draft pick. What a waste of a pick, all that stuff. But, you know, obviously it's it's draft and develop. But if the selection of Jordan Love was enough to get Aaron Rodgers, just a nudge, to get Aaron Rodgers to get fired up, to have Chip on his shoulder, to be the GOAT yet again. I mean, that was a home run selection by Brian Gutekunst because this was masterful. And I think, you know, we talked about his laser focus, how jovial he seemed, you know, him and Tim Boyle joking around in, in, in training camp. But you finally get to see it in the game, and albeit no fans, in Minneapolis and with fans, that's obviously a really tough place to play, but it's also got to be a huge demand with no fans. Like, how do you get in? How do you lock in? How do you have that drive? And I thought the way from top to bottom, Coach Lafleur, especially on that offense, we haven't even talked about the run game, too. And to see Swerve in there, Aaron Jones with the shades afterwards because the bright lights... And I mean, just those are his uh, his pay me shades. I heard, oh, I saw, <laughs> yeah, those are the pay me shades. But yeah, like I, I was surprised we didn't see a little bit more of the AJ Dillon show. Yeah, um, especially what? especially on a lot of those uh, goal line drives or short distance drives where you know you draft a short yardage power back in the second round, and then when you need a short yardage power back, you still got Aaron Jones or. Jamal Williams back there. I think he only saw two carries, but yep. you know, he averaged, I think, like six or seven yards a carry. So seven, you know, yeah. Yeah, not not bad for, you know, a limited role. I'm I'm excited to see what he can do. But yeah, Jones looked great. Williams looked great. Both and something I noticed right away in the first half is they were getting they were just involved all over the field, everywhere. Mm-hmm. It was basically in the first half, it was all Devonta Adams and the running backs. That was the offense. I mean, on top of it, you had Aaron Rodgers, where he he had what seven different wide res- or seven different uh, players that he targeted. The Packers went over a hundred yards with six, and Aaron Rodgers had that decisive fourth and fourth and one sneak. But this is a well balanced. It's not like, I mean, Devontae Adams obviously had a career year for him and in Packers history, but, and I'll talk about him a little bit in the second half, but this offense, I mean, the defense showed you, okay, they still have some warts. The the whole lack of tempo after, you know, a quarter ending or a timeout resulting in, you know, delay a game, uh, the uses of timeouts, those are Ugh. things that I think that I hope get ironed out a little bit more, but those were things that plagued them last year. So you got to see a little bit of a carryover, but overall, I am not going to shame what I thought a very decisive win, albeit the, the Vikings had to get those two-point conversions and Devin Cook had his game, but overall, I mean, you cannot be, I mean, just 
I, this exceeded my expectations, especially right. with a virtual offseason, no preseason. I mean, Rogers dialed in. Devontae Adams dialed in. Aaron Jones. I mean, we haven't even talked about the defense, too, with Jair Alexander looking to be that third-year breakout, dare I say it, all-pro cornerback. I mean, and he just looks like he just feels it's more natural for him. He seemed a little bit more, I mean, for lack of a better term, spastic, you know, in the first couple, you know, his rookie year and his second year. And that's not a bad thing. You know, you like that, you know, what what was his nickname? The Jackal that people were trying to get him to have them call because he was scrappy. And he, and while I like that, he just seemed a little bit more polished, which I was hoping a little bit more from Darnell Savage. I, I haven't reviewed the tape, but, you know, he was a pregame prediction. I thought he was going to have a big game. And Jerry Alexander was that guy uh, instead on the defense. But overall, man, I mean, 1-0. and any, any, any last thoughts before uh, we take uh, possibly a quick commercial break and start talking about our post-game balls in the second half? You know, one thing that I, I really enjoyed seeing that I don't, you know, as Packer fans, maybe we just haven't seen in recent years was just, I thought there was just tremendous thought in play calling, especially with the first couple drives. Something that just jumped off the page or jumped off the screen to me was in that first drive, we saw three end arounds or jet sweeps to the right side for Irvin, Lazard, Williams. Two of them went long. One of them didn't. But then they come right back on the second drive and on the first play, they do a fake end around and they hit <laughs> Jamal or they hit Adams right up the middle. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it was for me, I was just like, yes. Like playing mind we, games. Yes. We set this up because we didn't fake it. We did three for three around. And then the first play, they do it again. Because I guarantee they were talking about it on the sideline. Like, okay, they're doing lots of jet sweep. They're doing lots of pre-snap motion. Watch out for it. First play back, same look. And then where does Rodgers throw? The middle of the field to his boy Adams for a first down, first play, the second drive. Just to me, that was chef's kiss. And I'm like, okay, hope this is what the Lafleur offense can be. It's not going to be run, 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 pass, like everyone maybe thought, but it's going to be more using the offensive tools, using these weapons. Yes, no, we didn't get a wide receiver, but I think we did A-OK with the guys we had with 522 yards of offense. Let's mm-hmm. go. Let's fucking go. And I'm, I'm, I'm excited to talk about the second half of uh, our post-game balls, of who we thought broke out, who we thought were uh, the X-Factors, the deciding influencers of the first game of the NFL 2020 season. What a wild ride it's been to get to this moment. But I'm thrilled to talk with Ken and myself for 1-0 on tap. We're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back. Go Pack Go! This episode is brought to you by Sonic Transformation. Here at Sonic Transformation, we believe that every good audio project starts with a good foundation. We want to help you build that foundation, whether it be through commercial products or things you have around the house, no job is too big or small. We can make your podcast sound the best it can with what you have and a little nudging along the way. No equipment? No problem. Our consultants can help you get set up on your budget and in your space. Do you already have an established podcast, but don't have the time to edit or just wish it sounded better? We can take care of that for you as well. Check us out at www.sonictransformation.com. 
Again, that's www.sonictransformation.com. Sonic Transformation, your sound refined. And we are back with 1-0 on tap. We hope you enjoyed that commercial break from the soothing, sexy sounds of our producer, Nebels and Sonic Transformations. And Ken, you, you've got some information. I do want to make sure that we're all up to date like, and make sure that our information is correct. But I had mentioned Kenny Clark, Lane Taylor, and Lucas Patrick being injured. And um, you had some news that you wanted to share specifically about Lane Taylor. Right. Yeah. As we're talking about those injuries, I think right as we started chatting this evening, gentleman on famous on Twitter, the pro football doc, Dr. David Chow, put his opinion on. Obviously, he hasn't seen him, but looks like in his medical opinion, he's thinking that uh, Mr. Lane Taylor is probably done for the year with a torn ACL. So, man. I know it's what it's tough to see. Yeah, the guy he took a pay cut. He was the what? total underdog. No one thought he was gonna. You know, everyone thought he was gonna be off the team for a cap last casualty. Year. Well, last well, year too, like he was a big popular cut going into the fifty-three last year, right? Yeah, and then he got replaced by uh, Jenkins. Elton Jenkins. You know, but that was you know for injury. Of course, yep. you know after triceps. what? Yeah, triceps after two games, and then you know. Comes in, takes a pay cut, goes head-to-head on the right-hand side of the line, wins the right guard job, again, after taking a several-million-dollar pay cut. No one thought he could do it. No one thought he'd stick around. Here he is, went 12-0 and undefeated in pass rush drills in camp. And, you know, obviously yeah, this, this is early. Good. We don't have any confirmation. Uh, this is speculation at this point, but... All kind of signs point that. I know I was texting with Nebels, and um, he actually spoiled it for me because he was watching live, and I'm on a delay. <laughs> and he texted me. He's like, oh, no, it's, that doesn't look good. I'm like, what? I saw and that like, exchange. <laughs> and I'm like, the play hasn't even happened yet on my screen. What? No. Who is it? And, yeah, I saw Lane go down. I'm like, oh, that doesn't look good. And he got mm-hmm. carted off. And you said you heard that wail yeah. when you were listening to the, to the live broadcast. So, yep. you know. Let's hope. Let's hope for the best for Lane. You know what a soldier, but you know chances are, you know, at, you know, best case scenario, he's probably going to be missing some time. You know, worst case, we might have to find a replacement on the right side of the line a little earlier than we thought. Yeah, and our sympathies and our support go to uh, Lane Taylor. Man, we were rooting, you know, rooting for you. And uh, we wish whatever injury it is uh, a speedy recovery and keep. Keep in mind that we are recording on a Sunday, so there is information that will probably pop up uh, Monday before our Tuesday release, but we did want to share that information uh, with you. And um, on a lighter note, uh, we're going to talk about our post-game balls. So every week, Ken and I do an uh, post-game review for the second half of our post-game episode, and we'll do three post-game balls, offense, defense, it's an accumulation. We might have some lap over, but uh, I, I'm okay with it because, again, I don't want you to know who my post-game balls and, and vice versa. We want it to be a little bit more of a surprise. But I would like to think anyone watching the game, it's going to be pretty clear. And right off the bat, you got to go with the bad man, not Aaron Rodgers and not Ken Ingles. 
because both are bad, bad men. But Devontae Adams, 14 catches. The last time a wide receiver did that was in 1942. His 42nd touchdown reception is the most since 2016. Leads the NFL. Get this. Last six games of Devontae Adams at the Green Bay Packers. Week 15, seven receptions, 103 yards and a touchdown. Week 16, 13 receptions for 116 yards. Week 17, seven receptions, 93 yards and a touchdown. Divisional round of the playoffs. Oh, he's washed up. He's no good. Yeah, eight receptions, 160 yards, two touchdowns. That decisive third and long pass and catch from Rodgers to ice the victory over the Seattle Seahawks. And in the NFC Championship game where we got blown out, he had nine receptions for 138 yards and carries it over week one, 14 receptions, 156 yards, and two touchdowns. Most receptions in a game by Packers history ties Don Hudson when he did it against the New York Giants in November 22nd of 1942. He had 134 yards, Don Hudson did. Devontae Adams with 14. Hudson also had 13, and Devontae Adams twice has had 13 apiece. October 20th, 2016, and December 23rd, 2019 with 13 catches. So the last time Devontae Adams... And the first and the most recent time that he's played the Minnesota Vikings, he's had 13 receptions last season and 14 receptions. Devontae Adams, need I say more, the first game ball, MVP of the game. Oh my Lord, he is so much fun to watch. And when it's all said and done, he might be the greatest Packers wide receiver, dare I say it. Yeah, man, he he was going off. It was very, very obvious that the game plan was let's pick on these young corners of the Minnesota defense and let's get Devante the ball early, often, and all game. He had how many targets did he have? 17 targets. Mm-hmm. That was insane. Yeah, absolutely. He's getting a game ball. My first game ball I'll give out, uh, I'll flip sides. I'll go to the defense side of the ball. It's got to go to our man, Jair Alexander. Um, you know, another bad com- man. Bad man coming up big, you know, that second drive the Green Bay had coming up short on the goal line, leaving Minnesota on the one yard line. And he improvised his corner blitz, by the way. That wasn't Mm -hmm. planned, that wasn't a called play. He saw something and he just went for it and got the sack safety in the end zone of Kirk Cousins. Two points on the board. And that was it. Yeah, that, that well, tilted oh, no, the field immediately. Oh, immediately! It, you immediately, you immediately don't feel as bad that they didn't punch it in the end zone. They get the ball back on a short field. You know, again, they get the field goal, but then the next drive, Jair comes up with the big boy interception, <laughs> and and that leads to the first touchdown of the game for Green Bay. The 25-yard, you know, that that came off of that 25-yard touchdown uh, to Devontae Adams. Mm-hmm. So Jair, right there in the first half, just in two drives, is basically responsible for nine points or allowing nine points of offense to be, or points on the board. And love to see it. The guy's a playmaker. You talked about it earlier. Can't wait to see what this guy can do in year three and the sky's the limit. But he's getting a game ball on defense for me, for sure. And instead... I'll switch it up to going to the defensive side of the ball. And no question, Jair Alexander has to get a game ball. I mean, talk about tilting the field. That's what you want your defensive players to do. He had four tackles, one assist. 
uh, one assisted, I should say, one sack, a safety, an interception. Third year first round pick starts off in style, uh, looking like starting off strong for an all pro campaign. And, you know, that second quarter interception that you talked about, again, like just can high point the foot, you know, he's. And- you know what was the best part about that too is that that was the knock on Jair is that he wasn't coming down with the interceptions last mm-hmm. year. He would put himself in these opportunities, but he just couldn't get the hands on the ball. You watch what he had to do to get that ball. He high pointed, contested it, but then it got knocked away from him, and he was able to bat it back to himself one handed almost because he had his other arm wrapped around mm-hmm. and come down with that ball. It was it was great to see, and it's getting him off on the right, you know. Great first step for the year. Hopefully, you know, that's his biggest knock coming down with the being able to come down with those interceptions. And it's great to see what he's able to do. Oh, and just tackling too. I mean, he just looks oh, yeah. way more comfortable. And you talked about, you know, that that sack safety. He he when perfect word too. I love that. Improvised. Um, he anticipated a run on that right. improvisation and said he was already going all out into the backfield. It wasn't a corner blitz. And he says, quote, I shot my shot. I slid in the DMs, basically, end quote. That is our CB1. We got QB1. I'm thrilled and so proud of what Jair Alexander continues to do. First-round draft pick for Brian Gutekunst, his first overall draft selection, making him look like a genius right now. And, Ken, I'll, I'll wrap up my post-game balls, and you got to give it to the sheriff. Uh, the guy that people said was washed up, the guy that hates his teammates, <laughs> Mr. QB1, Aaron Rodgers, 32 of 44, 364 yards, four touchdowns, clutch fourth and run to extend the drive. Uh, with those four touchdowns, he passed Eli Manning for seventh most touchdown passes in NFL history with 369 right now. I'm sorry, 368. Uh, we talked about the laser focus. There's a lot of demands going on. I mean, on top of playing in a pandemic and to get to this point, to be as laser focused, he put the NFL on watch yet again. And I, we've talked about this whole, I, I hate the whole revenge tour campaign, but this, everyone thought that he was going to be bitter about the Jordan Love selection, that he continues to get shade he handled it so gracefully with the uh, Jordan Love selection. He was candid and honest about his you know, precarious future with the Green Bay Packers, if you will. But to come out week one, him and Coach LaFleur, hashtag friend goals, they just, <laughs> they just look amazing, just a one-two punch. I always wanted a quarterback you know, coach for a head coach. When Mike McCarthy, when you could tell that he had lost the team, and they needed uh, some uh, juice and some rejuvenation. I had wanted what the Philadelphia Eagles had set up with Doug Peterson, DeFilippo, and Frank Reich. He, they had that, and we don't necessarily have that. But our co- so honorable mention, I guess, if you will, is Coach Lafleur too. Just the oh, you stole it. I was gonna, <sighs> I was gonna sneak in. I was gonna sneak in with the Lafleur mention, man. I, honorable mention. Me. Honorable mention, just because. I mean, a lot of people were super upset with Aaron Rodgers last year. He he lacked that decisive decision making that he that we saw today. And I couldn't be prouder of Aaron Rodgers. I'm thrilled to see what he can do week in and week out. But there you have it for my post-game balls. Devontae Adams, Jerry Alexander, and Aaron Rodgers. No surprise, but, I mean, Aaron Rodgers and his play, 
Uh, Devante Adams, good Lord, he's so much fun to watch. Uh, excited to see what he can continue to do. And then Jair Alexander, we need a game changer in that backfield. And he just very reminiscent of what Casey Hayward was like, what Charles Woodson was like. Uh, you know, granted, I know who I'm comparing him to, but man, third year breakout, we were calling it in the offseason. So thrilled for all three to give them you know, 1-0 off the season. Right. And, you know, I'll I'll, t- I'll sprinkle in something on our honorable mention for Coach LaFleur, who's now combined, what, 15-4? and four? And undefeated in the division, 7-0, and <laughs> baby. Let's go. Let's go, like, man. Remember, yeah, and everyone gave, everyone was criticizing the hire, right? Oh, well, he knew... Coach McVay. So obviously, you know, that that's around the time when, you know, anyone that knew Sean McVay was getting offensive coordinator positions or head coaching shots. And they just thought that he was, you know, didn't have the offense where he came from previously and too young and he didn't he wasn't polished at the podium in press interviews. Doesn't matter. This guy can can rally a team and let's go seven and oh in the division, one and oh for the, the 2020 season. Can't wait to see where this goes, man. Well, there you have it. I mean, our post-game balls, and uh, we're going to continue that trend moving forward. Ken, you had Jair Alexander, Coach LaFleur, and um, who would be your third and final post-game ball? You know what? I don't want to overlap too much. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take one out of a little bit out of, of the outfield here. I'm going to say our boy... Chris Barnes. Ooh, I like it. Right? And because this is a guy, undrafted free agent, gets cut, gets put on the practice squad, and what, the Saturday, day before, gets elevated up to the 53-man roster. Everyone assumed, okay, maybe he'll probably be inactive, or maybe he'll play a down or two on special teams. No. He's your starting inside linebacker <laughs> next to Kirksey. And one thing that I noticed too, like, you know, we didn't have a preseason, obviously, but because of that, I'm sitting here watching the Packers play for the first time and I'm seeing numbers. I'm like, who is this mm-hmm. guy? Because you don't know yeah. who these guys are. So I actually had to pull up the Packers roster, Packers.com. I'm like, oh, that's Chris Barnes. Yep. And he's he's starting. He's in there. And guy, he made his presence felt. Uh, seven tackles, five solo, two tackles for loss, both on Delvin Cook, by the way, and comes up, made some clutch special teams tackles as well. And got, like I said, coming out of left field, no one, like, I didn't expect him to play. I don't know if it, many people expected him to do much. Everyone was thinking that Orrin Burks or Ty Summers would maybe have to come in and fill that Kamal Martin yep. vacancy. But yeah, Talk about a guy undrafted coming up and just looking like a pro in this defense. You got to give it to the to the young stud, and you know, let's see how he can do. And you know, Martin's gonna be down for a while, and it, it's great to see some young, promising depth at the inside linebacker for a change on this team. And let's hope that this wasn't a fluke and that we can uh, you know he can string some success together, but. He's kind of my, again, long shot, surprise game ball I'm going to give out for this week. I love it. Chef's kiss. And he was elevated on Saturday. That means he's, he, he has to revert back, correct? Oh, no, no. So they were at 52 
there were 52 guys on the roster. So he was actually the 53rd signing, right? So he's actually on the active roster. And then John Lovett and then the two was the... Lovett and... Yeah, tip, yeah, those two were the, the elevation. Gotcha. So those two guys are going to be back on the practice squad. They can be elevated again. Or if there's going to be some roster movement with injuries or just performance, you know, they can have a chance to come back up again. But yeah, Chris Barnes is here to stay, Oof. my brother. That even adds to the, oh man, the plot thickens in a good way. I love the third and final game ball for you as well. I was not expecting it, but he, he definitely flashed where you, you saw it. On defense and on special teams, former teammate of Jordan Love. And we talked about undrafted free agents and what an uphill climb it would be just to possibly even make the team. And although he wasn't on uh, the official 53 when it was announced a week ago, to see him activated and to see him produce, that was a big time surprise. And uh, look at Gutekunst taking a page out of Ted Thompson's book and Little little hidden gems with the undrafted free agents. I didn't think we were going to go there this year. In week one, we already do. And we even announce it on the Unknown Packers podcast with our post-game balls. As we go into week two, the Packers square off against the Lions Sunday, September 20th. Ken, just, just some quick thoughts uh, on the on the Detroit-Green Bay game as we uh, look ahead. Yeah, man. Um, coming to Lambeau. I guess that doesn't mean as much anymore because there's not going to be any fans there. You know, at least early in the season, we'll see how, you know, things progress in the world of COVID and the NFL as we go forward. But, you know, the Lions lost to, you know, they lost on Sunday and they had an opportunity yeah. to win right at the end. DeAndre's um, I was twist, able to right? I, right. I was able to kind of sneak a peek at that game at the end and, oof, that's tough. But, you know, Stafford, you know, he's healthy, he's back. You know, he's he's an excellent quarterback, and you really can't can't rule him out ever. Um, so the defense is going to be tested, and I don't think you know, like I mentioned at the beginning, you know, the offense or the Vikings offense was able to put up thirty four points with only being on the field less than nineteen minutes. That probably is not going to happen again against the Lions, and so the defense needs to kind of buckle down and you know watch the tape and figure it out. But again. Typically, when you start in preseason, the defense is kind of slower to get up. You know, we haven't had a preseason, so this is kind of like the regular season, you know, getting up to speed, tune up. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. But, man, they, that's – I could see something where, you know, Stafford just goes bananas. And, I, you know, Rodgers will have to – you know, hopefully it's – you know, if it comes to a shootout, you know, I love our chances with Rodgers. But, you know, let's hope that Jair can – stay where he was at you know repeat what he's able to do this first game and you know maybe our pass rush can step up a little bit because they're a little quiet this first game but uh those are my initial thoughts look you know looking forward to the lions coming into lambo well and the lions gave us fits last year we didn't lead at all i think in both the games until the cr- zero zero seconds yep. officially zero seconds the entire year that's crazy we didn't lead but we won both games. <laughs> I don't think that's <laughs> that's got to be somewhere in the history books of a record. So I, I I don't want to just overlook them. Granted, and and I don't think the Green Bay Packers will. Like you said, I'd, I'd like to see them tighten up a little bit on on defense. But I mean, they had they let Mitch Trubisky come back and and beat them. What do you have? Th- four touchdowns altogether, I think. 
maybe three. Um, they won 27-23. So I, I'd like to think if Rodgers is laser-focused and we're seeing that 2010-2011 form, man, uh, I, I love this This Aaron Rodgers. Couldn't be happier for the Green Bay Packers. Packer fans, we are 1-0 and to kick off the new season, the most unusual season of NFL football ever. Can't wait to talk to you all next week. I'm your co-host, Bryce Christensen. And I'm Ken Ingles. And this is the Unknown Packers Podcast. Thank you so much for following the Unknown Packers Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Unknown Packers, as well as Facebook, Instagram, the Unknown Packers Podcast. You can check us out on our website, theunknownpackers.com, and a variety of different podcast platforms as well. You can also say, hey, Alexa, play the Unknown Packers Podcast. That's right. We're friends with Alexa. Go Pack Go. This podcast was edited and produced by Sonic Transformation. Sonic Transformation. Your sound, refined.